Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host. And I'm your co-host, Aubrey Sampson. We have an interview today with Serena Dykeson, who, um, or whom, I guess I should say, I have gotten to know pretty well over the past several months since our conversation, and uh, because she's a community group leader for us. And those of you guys who may not be familiar with this, we have a platform online where you can connect with other people who are walking through the same type of valley or pain point mm. that you are walking through. And I, that I know of, this does not exist anywhere else. I mean... This was kind of an idea that has evolved over the past several uh, couple of years, I guess. I was going to say several months, but where we asked the question, can we connect people who are walking through the same valley? And sure enough, people started coming to us and uh, we've identified these, these folks would be great guides to help do this. So there is a particular community group um, that is for women who are experiencing uh, abortion regret and recovery, you know, so they've had an abortion they're experiencing some kind of guilt or regret over that, and they're looking to heal in a biblical way from that mm. abortion. And Serena, along with another one of her colleagues, they lead this group. And I'm telling you, Aubrey, it's mm. been unbelievable to watch over the past few months since we just made some like a little announcement on Instagram about Serena leading this group. How many people have joined this group? I mean, I think it's wow. It's probably just to give you a little. Th- this is one of those groups. There's some of our groups that are pretty fairly public for anybody to join. There are other groups that are a little bit more sensitive and it's more necessitates people feeling uh, safe and kind of not necessarily anonymous, but not, but, but the assurance that not anybody can come in. Yeah. 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 And so in this one, some, you know, I will like receive notifications that someone was requesting to be a part of this group. And then Serena and Deb have to approve after they've talked to that person, whether or not they can be a part of this group. But I see those notifications coming across and I'm like, Mm. wow. Cause it's like almost every day that a new notification is coming across. And there are some powerful things happening in this group. Wow. My guess is too, after this episode, there's going to be more people who are interested in being a part of it, especially because Serena has such a, she just has such a tender, graceful way about her. I think she, um, yeah, her heart for Jesus and her heart for women who have walked through abortion and abortion regret. Um, it's just really powerful. And the fact that you, nothing is wasted offers this free community group for people to be a part of is absolutely incredible. How can our listeners uh, find out more about that if they want to? Great. That's a great question. Yeah. Nothing is wasted.com slash community groups. I think it's wasted.com slash community groups. And again, this is a free platform. Uh, these are many of these folks are, are either ministry leaders. They lead a ministry themselves. They're, or they're counselors, they're pastors, the folks who are leading these groups, they're volunteering their time to say, I'm passionate about people who are going mm. through the same kind of thing I've gone through. They're just a little bit further along in the process and they've discovered some healing principles. And so our heart is just to help connect you as the listener to them yep. and to, to some deeper healing through whatever they're, they're offering in their ministry or just in, you know, their personal ministry as they're leading these groups. Serena uh, releases a book this month called She Found His Grace. And so she talks through quite a bit of her story in that book. She talks through quite a bit of her story in this episode. And, uh, you know, we need to warn you that this is a pretty intense episode. This, uh, it's a sensitive one for sure. Yeah, it is very sensitive, and so that we're we want to warn you that we have conversation around abortion. We also have conversation around uh, sexual assault that mm-hmm. uh, Serena was a victim of, and so yeah. be sure that um, you're you're censoring this or censoring at least the people around you. If there's little listening yeah. ears around you, make sure that, that you're yeah. not listening to this at that time. One of the things that Serena talks about as part of her story is um, really the idea of carrying secrets for a very long time. And part of that may just be because of the trauma of them. Part of that may be because of the shame that you carry because of something that happened to you or something yeah. that you did. Um, and I don't want to spoil too much of her story, right. but 
part of her healing journey was finally beginning to talk about some of the secrets that she yeah. had carried for a long time. Yeah. Um, it, it got me thinking, Davey, I know I've talked a little bit about the, my own experience of sexual assault on the podcast before, but that was a big, that was a big part of my journey. I kept, um, I kept my assault a secret yeah. for a very long time. And Kevin, actually, my husband was the first person that I opened up to about it. And that was after we were married. I was wow. um, pregnant with my first son, Eli, and I just finally felt like I cannot bring this new baby into this world and be carrying this thing mm. because I, um, I'm going to get emotional talking about it, but I didn't want him to, I, you know, I know God is gracious, but I, I just wanted him to be born into like a new season wow. where I was no yeah. longer carrying this secret. And, um, so me finally opening up to Kevin, which the Lord totally wow. ordained. He, I mean, I'm so grateful for him. He was, he just spoke love over me. He spoke freedom over me. He spoke goodness over me. And that was a massive part of my own healing journey. Wow. And I, I think I just want to say to any listener who is carrying a secret shame or a yeah. secret trauma right now, um, some words from Psalm 34, five, those who look to God are radiant. Their faces are never covered in shame. Mm. And Romans eight, one, right. There's now no, no condemnation, condemnation for those who are in yeah. Christ Jesus. I, I just listener want to speak that over you. I hope as you listen to this episode, you hear Serena's heart in that as well. And most of all, I hope you hear the Lord speaking that over you, that there is no shame yeah. from him and there is no condemnation from him for That's those right. who are in Christ Jesus. And so we don't have to carry this stuff on our own. We can open up to safe people and the Lord will use that to bring healing and hope yeah. back into our lives. Yeah. I, I just, as you were saying, all of that, Aubrey, thank you, first of all, for sharing that and sharing it so vulnerably. But I just want to remind everyone who's listening to this, the name of this podcast, mm. nothing is wasted. Nothing. Amen. Yeah. So no matter what that, that pain point is for you, whether it's because of a decision that you've made or because of something that was done to you, regardless of that, God's not going to waste it. That's right. And, and I just feel like, especially with, as we discuss the topic of abortion, it could be very easy for a listener who, um, who has had an abortion to go, yeah, nothing's wasted for other people. But for me, mm. it's, I, I don't see how that can be the case. And, um, the Lord, he, he uses all things. That's right. And you are not disqualified. I, th right. I think sometimes that can be a message that the, you know, we inadvertently send to women who have had abortion and maybe not allowing yeah. them to heal is we inadvertently have, have said you're disqualified from ministry or, mm -hmm. or you made this horrible mistake or, and, and that's not true. You yep. are not disqualified. The Lord Jesus has qualified you. And that's just right. like you said, nothing is wasted. All things, all yeah. things he takes and works out for yeah. his good, for our good, for his glory. Yeah. And you're going to hear from a woman who is testimony to that because God mm -hmm. is using her in a tremendous way right now to bring hope and healing to so many, not just women. I'm telling you, I, right. I was, I, I found healing in the conversation yeah. with her. And so, um, let's, let's, without further ado, let's step into this conversation that I have with Serena Dyson. Serena, it's so great to have you here in the podcast studio. Yeah, it's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm honored that you're going to be sharing your story with us. And um, yours is a, a very powerful story. Uh, but I'd love before we dive into that, I want you to just kind of give us a little bit of context for who you are. What, is, what does life look like for you right now? <laughs> so 
Like you said, I'm Serena Dykeson, and um, I am a mother of two adult children. Um, I've been married to my high school sweetheart for 27 oh, years. Oh, congratulations. Thank He's you. here in the room with he us. He is in the room with us. So don't, you can't, you know, <laughs> say too much about him, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. And um, I am a nana, and I also have another little granddaughter, or, well, I don't know. Maybe it is a granddaughter on the way. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I just spoke over that. A grandchild. That. There you go. Yeah. That was prophetic. <laughs> that was prophetic. Yes. So um, I am the founder of She Found His Grace Ministries, and it's a global ministry, and mm. I just do life with women who are walking in... Um, either they're abortion-minded or they are post-abortive. And wow. so that fills my time up. And I also just wrote a book called wow. She Found His Grace. So wow. that's my life right now. <laughs> and that's, that's wow. I'm sure it keeps you extremely busy. And as we were talking about before with, you know, all the craziness of 2020 that it has been, I'm sure it also keeps you on your toes. Yes. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about it before we kind of dive in? Cause I know that the impetus behind founding this organization is uh, obviously tied to your story and um, what you walked through, but tell us a little bit about break out in detail, what you guys do as an organization. Is this, you know, like, um, it just, yeah, just kind of give us some context for that. Yeah. So what, what our organization does is we, um, we have women that find us online. They've heard my story, they okay. find us. And so if they're abortion minded, we help them um, choose life. We're okay. going to figure out what is going on, what, what their panic is, what, what is, yeah, what's driving them to abortion. And um, we just help figure that out and we get them plugged in locally to a pregnancy center locally. And then also we, we love to find um, church families that will oh, adopt wow. them. We yeah. want local um, people to walk alongside them. We also have a lot of abortion-minded women that come to us, and my story, uh, a lot of women will just say, I've never shared my story with anyone. I heard your story, and I'm able to get them plugged into abortion um, uh, healing ministries, wow. and so that's what we do, and also our heart is to just be in the church and be able to train churches how to talk about abortion so that there's healing yeah. in the church. And yeah. so that's what our organi organization does. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk some more about that topic mm -hmm. of what we can do to help equip churches. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure there's, you have a lot of thoughts on that. So we'll definitely, we'll save that for, for a little bit later. But mm -hmm. before we get too much into kind of the mechanics of all of that, I'd love to hear uh, just, I'd love to hear your story mm -hmm. because I know it informs so much of your heart behind helping these women. Um, so why don't you take us back and just begin to give us uh, a little bit of the chronology of what took place? Yeah. So, um, I grew up in a pretty poor home and a lot of chaos, a lot of brokenness, um, a lot of arguments, and we moved around a lot and, um, we just kind of, uh, there was just, a whole, we didn't, we didn't go to church. Um, yeah. I didn't know about Jesus. I had not heard about Jesus at all. And, um, we particularly in fifth grade, we moved to a rental house and we had a, a, a Sunday school teacher that, that we rented our home for, from, and he would purposely come and pick us up and take us to church. Oh, wow. And so he planted that seed. And I, I remember just thinking, you know, I was Mary in, in the, the Christmas play and I was like, <laughs> who's Mary and why do I have a plastic baby? You know? It just didn't make sense yeah. to me, but he, he was so faithful yeah. and picking us up. And of course we moved from that area and just you know, like we did just move somewhere else. And, mm. um, we, and that was pretty typical, just kind of picking up and going, picking up and moving. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. We moved around a lot. Yeah. And so, um, fifth grade, we moved to North Carolina for a short bit and then we came back and, um, we really didn't do a lot of things with family. And mm. when we moved back, we, I had an uncle that started coming around and, um, started to ask if I would babysit and we didn't think anything of it. Like I was kind of like, that was an honor to, to be asked to yeah, babysit. Yeah. And it didn't take long before I ended up getting assaulted by him. Oh, and, um, just my world just turned upside down. Yeah. Because How I, old were you at this time? 13. Wow. I was 13 and I, 
I just, um, so I ended up getting assaulted by him twice and I just was not sure how to navigate through, through that. And, um, as I've read through my court papers, um, the second time that I was assaulted, the only reason I went is because my sister was going to go by herself and I didn't want her Mm. to be assaulted. And so that assault, um, resulted in a pregnancy and I just didn't even understand any of that. I, I knew that I was in trouble. I knew that I needed help. And so I ended up sharing with a student um, on the bus that I wasn't even friends with that I just needed help. Yeah. And uh, they made a report at school and my parents came in and they were just shocked. They didn't know what to do. And we went to our family doctor's office. And of course, a pregnancy was confirmed and my parents were looking for help. They, they needed help. And our family doctor said, well, what do you think about abortion? And I had never heard that word. I had no idea what that word was. And so, um, my parent, my mom just looking for help. That's what she thought was going to fix our situation. And, um, but now, did you, I mean, obviously at this point, I'm assuming you told your parents that it was your uncle that, mm-hmm. and that this was, that was the result. Was there any recourse to that? Um, yes. Yeah, so actually we went to court, it went to trial and okay. he ended up going to prison. Wow. Um, and then he got out and he reoffended. He's reoffended oh, several man. times. So yeah. Um, so I just keep praying for him that he gets wow. set free from that and that there's a healing process for whatever yeah. is going on there. So, wow. um, okay. So your family doctor suggests abortion and yes. then you guys begin having the conversation about that. Yeah. My parents just having this conversation of that's what we were going to do. And I just remember hearing, um, the conversation, okay, when you guys go to the clinic, there's going to be people outside that hate you. So walk in quickly. Mm. And I just remember thinking, like, what in the world? Like, why would they hate us? Yeah, you didn't understand. I I didn't understand. And I remember my mom just out of anger, just saying, you know, just making a comment of how they better not, you know, say Mm. anything. And and that just really has stuck with me um, as a sidewalk counselor of how to reach women at abortion clinics because of that that interaction we had. And on that day, actually, no one one was outside the clinic. So we don't know if that would have changed the scenario, the situation. We have no idea. And so that's why sidewalk counseling is so Mm. near and dear to my heart. Yeah. And um, so Mm. once we we got into the clinic, they actually um, separated me from my parents as a 13-year-old and took me back to a room by myself, which is another tactic that they do um, so that my parents wouldn't change their mind. Mm. And so, yeah, so this is this is like the lies and the yeah, deceit. There's, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like a strategic manipulation that is Absolutely. taking place in this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. Motivated by what? Can you, do you know? Uh, well, the abortion industry, they, they make money and, yeah, and that's right. their motivation. They make money off of abortions. And yeah. so that's... That's what drives them. Right. So, so the more abortions, the more revenue. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, yeah. So I was taken for what they called counseling. And the only thing I remember is them saying, it's just a clump of cells. And I didn't, <sighs> I had no idea. And so when they asked if I was ready for the procedure, I was just like, um, yes. I'm, I thought yeah. I was at a doctor's office. I thought I could trust them. Yeah. I thought that they had my best interest in mind. And um, interesting enough, I remember at 13, just looking around and thinking this place is really dirty mm. and just, just, that was something yeah, that stuck that was out. marking for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Yeah. And so the first time I ever met the abortionist, um, George Clawford, he walked in, he just smiled. He said, this won't take long. And it, it was a horrific experience for me. Um, I began screaming only for him to yell at me and tell me to shut up. And later on, I would find my mom's journal and she wrote, I, she could hear me screaming, but they wouldn't allow her to go back and, and be with me. And, um, you know, the trauma that it caused her as well is something that she is still working through. Yeah. And, um, at, after, after the procedure, they just put 
put me in a room with a bunch of other women. We just didn't look at, you know, we, we didn't speak, we didn't say anything. And, um, when it was time to go, I hemorrhaged and they never checked on me. My dad put me over his shoulder, carried me out to the car. And we never talked about what happened that day ever again. So, um, but it changed us. My mom had a mental breakdown and my dad eventually left our family and I would later on have my own struggles that I can tell you about, yeah, but yeah. yeah. And wow. so, wow. yeah. Um, so when I was 16, we, I ended up getting pregnant again and, um, we thought Planned Parenthood had just been in our schools mm. and we thought we can trust them. That's who, you know, we can trust them. Yeah. And so we went to Planned Parenthood and of course they suggested you're in school, you're young, you should just abort your baby. And, um, we left there and we got in the parking lot and, and, um, I was dating Bruce at the time and he grew up in a Christian home, but they never talked about abortion. Mm-hmm. And so he said, what do you think about abortion? And, and that was the first time I shared my assault and my mm-hmm. abortion with him. And I said, I will never do that again. And, um, he looked at me as a, a teenage boy and our young man. And he said, I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to figure it out. And we chose life. Wow. And so, um, so wow. we had our, our daughter, a healthy baby girl, March 14th. And, um, we got married June 5th. Um, our wedding was at 10 o'clock in the morning and he graduated high school at seven o'clock that night. Man. <laughs> so, um, we, you know, we thought, well, his family's in town. We just should do this thing. Yeah. And I don't recommend it. <laughs> so, um, wow. yeah, so we, I, we, I finished high school. Um, we have our second child and by the time, um, we're 23, we buy our first house and we mm. think life is good. We're doing this thing. We're in church. Right. Things are good. And then by 25, I had a miscarriage and my world started to fall apart. Mm. And I, I didn't pinpoint my abortion at all. I just, that was not part of my thought process. It was just, but it was a a grief that I had and our marriage began to suffer. And then a few years later I had an ovary rupture and I nearly lost my life. And then when I was 30, I had a complete hysterectomy and no one ever asked, did you have an abortion? abortion. No one asked that question. And I was not willing to give that information up. Wow. And, um, so, so can now, now you can, you pinpoint that the abortion had something to do with these instances. Can you kind of explain that a little bit? Um, so this is a common thing that happens with women. Like there's health, um, there's health issues that women have that that's very common, but no one talks about Mm. that, that, um, these botched abortions, you know, how you're manhandled or whatever. No one talks about those things. And so these women have all of these issues and, and no one talks about them. And so, and they um, didn't even ask you, yeah. Hey, have you had an abortion before to try to, man. Yes. And, and so many women, when they, when they contact me, they, some of them can't even have children ever again. And, and so then you have that, that trauma as well. And then they, they're setting in their guilt and, and just the what ifs. And it's, it's pretty, pretty deep scars that they're carrying around. So as, as this, these kind of success, successive events are happening, you know, your miscarriage and then uh, the second thing that you said was, um, ovary, the, yeah, yeah. ovary rupture. Is yes. that right? Mm-hmm. And then a hysterectomy, a full hysterectomy. Mm-hmm. What was going on with you emotionally during that time? I was a mess. I, w- I was dealing with a lot of depression. I was, um, I, I, um, I started drinking, um, during that time I was disconnected from my kids and Bruce and I were having lots of marital issues during that time as well. And, uh, just really on the struggle bus and, and really not telling anybody what was really going on in our lives, just putting on a mask and pretending we were okay when we were not okay. And so, yeah. Um, when, when my kids hit middle school, we had another, um, event happen in our lives that it became clear that I had not healed from my abortion or, um, 
my assault and my life took another turn and I ended up moving out of our house and I was drinking every single day. I was using drugs when I could get my hands on them and I was just running. I, I was in so much pain, so much grief. Um, Bruce was trying to keep our marriage and our family together, but I, I just could not even function myself. And so I could Mm. not do any of any of those things. And so, um, there was one particular night that I was at a restaurant and I had, um, been drinking and I started texting people to come and get me. And normally someone would come and get me. And that night, everybody was kind of tired of me. They were kind of done. And, um, so I sat in my car and I started crying and I just said, God, I said, I don't have anything but you right now. And, um, God met me that night in my car and lavished me in a love that I had never felt in my life. Wow. And I knew that I needed to go home. And can, can you describe that a little bit? Like what, when you went, like, what was that experience like when God yeah. met you in your car uh, and you just felt that love? It just, it just wrecked me. Like my heart of stone was just shattered. And I just had wow. this moment of just knowing how much he loved me. And he was just waiting for me to call out to him. He, it was like, okay, daughter, you've been running for a long time and I've just been here waiting for you. And so I just, you know, that father's love and I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew that he just loved me so much and I had not felt that. Man, you probably felt like the (laughs) prodigal son in some ways, you know, kind of reaching that rock bottom point where you go, Mm -hmm. well, at least I, you know, (laughs) at least I was better off at my father's house than I am here in this pigsty. Yeah. That's right. That's right. It was just this beautiful moment of just being with my father. Mm. And, um, and I knew he was asking me to go home. And so by God's grace, I made it home and Bruce met me at the door and welcomed me in Mm. (laughs) and, and, uh, we began unpacking our stuff and, um, it was hard. It was yeah. really hard. Yeah. Take, take me on a little journey through that process right there. You know, oh. you kind of say it like, well, we begin unpacking our stuff. But if anybody's in the business of unpacking their stuff mm. currently, they know that that's a lot of unpacking. It's, it can get really tense and get frustrating, get hard. Oh my goodness. So we, by God's grace, we found this wonderful Christian counselor and mm. I probably gave him a run for his money. <laughs> <laughs> I I oh. know I did. Oh. Um, there would be many times that I would drive um, to his office and I would, I would just sit in my car and I'm like, I'm not going in. I don't mm. want to go in. And then I would go in and I would pout. <laughs> Because I just did not want to go there with him. And he Mm. was so awesome because he would, he would just weave in what needed to be weaved in. And when he knew that I had enough, he would, (laughs) okay, pull back a little bit, you know? And, um, even during those sessions, I never brought up my abortion though. I never told him. (laughs) Can, can you Serena put your finger on like, like why you why you had that kind of demeanor? Like, why were you pouty in those times? Why were you, you know, you, you kind of saw your life get to like a rock bottom point. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you, you probably understood maybe that the, the best next step here would be us to apply ourselves to counseling. But what was it that was holding you back Mm -hmm. there? So I think for me, it was just that I had to I felt like I had to sit in that a little bit, like my trauma and, and that felt that, that didn't, that felt, um, too much. Like I did not Mm. want, I didn't understand the whole process of like, this was going to set me free. Gotcha. And so, and also not growing up in the church, it was that mindset of like, they're going to judge me. And, and that was a real fear because if they know the real me, they're not going to like the real me. And so I, you know, it was just that, 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 um, I I kept him, I kept Bruce, I kept so many people at arm's length because if they knew the real me, they might not like me. Mm. And, and so that was just a really hard, hard thing because, you know, I just think in my mind, the people in the church, they had it all together. And, and it's so not true. Right. <laughs> so not true. Yeah. You, pull, remember, you remember the old, th- what was the old, the old thing that our parents taught us? Like, here's the church. Look at the church. Look at the steeple. Yep. 
open the door and see all the people, right? Mm-hmm. And you're thinking all the people are clean and pretty and stuff. And yep. it's like, no, no, you really open the door and you look at all the people and it, everyone's messed up. Everybody's messed yeah. up. Wow. Everybody's messed up. But in my mind, that was some, a real fear that I had. Mm. Um, so I went, you know, I just kept meeting with my counselor and unpacking and he just kept meeting with meeting me with grace and love and mercy. And, um, and uh, God started transforming my heart even more mm. and but I had I had a piece of my the puzzle that I had not that you were withholding yeah <laughs> yes yeah and so one day I was in my in my living room and I was just doing my devos and God met me in Lamentations 358 mm. and he said you know um did I did I pull you from the pit well mm. yes <laughs> did I take up your case and the word case just really mm hit me because of the trial of actual court wow. case. And so yeah. I knew that yeah, you he was, saw it a new way. Yes. Just, wow. Yes. And, uh, he said, did I redeem your life? And I'm like, yes. And he's like, well, would you get out of the way and let me do what I'm going to do? And I had wow. to surrender my unforgiveness. I was, I had been drinking a poison of unforgiveness wow. for a long time and I needed to forgive who I needed to forgive. Wow. And that day I went into my kitchen to pick up my wine bottle, which I had still been drinking at that time. And I couldn't do it. God just took that away from me once I laid down my unforgiveness. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so specifically you're referring to unforgiveness towards your uncle. Yes. Mm -hmm. As you began to unpack that unforgiveness, was there any other any other bitterness that you were hanging? Was there anything else that was, that had to be unpacked right there as far as unforgiveness? Cause, and I asked this question, there may not be, but I asked this question because what we have found as we walk people through healing as well, mm-hmm. uh, particularly when we walk, when we take people through the pain to purpose mm-hmm. path that we have. The third waypoint of that is unclog your bitterness. Mm-hmm. And this is the point that we see people get bogged down in the most mm-hmm. It's also the biggest breakthrough that we see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every without fail, mm-hmm. this is where we see people find their breakthrough yes. is in that third waypoint. Yes. And what they begin to discover is that yeah, there may be one instance or one person mm-hmm. that they feel like they need to forgive, but then there's lots of other layers of unforgiveness that is kind of met in that same space. Did you experience that? Well, what I realized is that I I held grudges and and different things for different people. And I had to, to not view people as villains. And I definitely viewed people as villains. Bruce was one person that I really viewed as a a villain. There was a couple layers to that whole process as well. Um, when he, on the, on the day in the, um, when we were at Planned Parenthood and he said that we would figure out how to choose life, I figured out I had put him on a pedestal um, a little bit further than what I needed to. Yeah. And so every time he was failing in an area, mm. I, I would, you know, I would strong arm, arm him because I was just like, you're letting me down. And I, yeah. I had messed up my, my view with my heavenly father. And since I didn't really have that with my, my earthly father, like I, I just replaced that. And yeah. so I had to, work through that as well. Wow. And I that's, remember that's so interesting too. this, the, to bridge the connection that, you know, here you have this experience where someone does something horrific to you, right? Mm-hmm. An authority figure, a figure that you're, you feel yeah. like you're supposed to trust and yeah. love and a family member. And then uh, as a result of that, there becomes this vilification of so many other people or this mm-hmm. antitrust of so many other people that you can't, you don't even see, you don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. Until you begin to peel back those layers, and uh, wow, wow, yes, wow. All right, continue. Yeah. You were going to say something. Yeah. So just realizing that in the process of our, our the healing part, and I'll never forget the one day I looked at Bruce and I said, "Okay, enough. I got to take you off this pedestal. I'm done with this." And he goes, <laughs> "You are Pray. not as awesome as I thought you <laughs> I were." I know. And he goes, "Praise the Lord! It is about time." <laughs> so, that's amazing. Yeah, that's so, amazing. Well, that's it, such a great point too. I, I heard somebody say one time that, um, and I'm going to totally buy. I don't know how they said it, but it was something along the lines of, you know, those, uh, uh, you know, at one point they'll heroize you, and at the next point they're they'll. Villainize you, you know, or demonize you, and 
and I think that speaks to all of our um, proclivity to elevate people in our lives, um, to trust that they are always going to come through for us, to trust that they're never going to disappoint us Mm -hmm. and to put our hope and our trust in them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that inevitably when we do that, we do end up resenting them because there's no way they can hold up to that. There's only one who can. Right. Right. And uh, I love Bruce's response. (laughs) Yes, it was great. It's about time. (laughs) It was like that breakthrough moment that we both needed at that point. And it was just this beautiful moment. Wow. Yeah. I'm interrupting this important conversation for a really good reason. We want to make sure you know about all of the resources that are available to you, our Nothing Is Wasted community. If you haven't heard us talk about it before, we have created a program that we want to make as value-adding as possible to your healing journey. Beyond the inspiration we all receive from our incredible conversations with our podcast guests, we also want to make sure we are taking it a step further by encouraging transformation. One way we do this is with our monthly partner program. By making a recurring monthly tax-deductible donation to our monthly partner program, anyone can access resource-driven content that goes above and beyond our normal conversations. For a $20 a month donation to Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, you can access monthly mini bonus episodes with past guests, full bonus episodes with new guests, five to 10 minute supplementary commentaries about each episode, live Q&As, Get first access to Nothing Is Wasted announcements, discounts to Nothing Is Wasted coaching, events and products, and other bonus content we'll release periodically. We want your support to this ministry to be mutually beneficial. So please take advantage of these resources as you consider setting up this partnership with us. To find out more information about this program, sign up or try a free seven-day trial, head over to nothingiswasted.com slash partners. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash partners. Now back to our interview. Okay, so from there, you know, you guys, you started releasing this bitterness and this Mm -hmm. unforgiveness. What, What happens from there? So we, we feel like we are getting to a, a healed spot. We, we get back into church and um, our family's getting restored and um, really just started walking this journey out of um, meeting women who had addictions. Like we, we got on the board of Adult Teen Challenge mm-hmm. and we started serving there. And I just had a heart for yeah. women who was they were struggling with addictions and brokenness and just hitting the streets and going into places that yeah. sometimes Bruce was like, what are you doing? <laughs> <Where> are <we? laughs> and I'm like, I'm just telling uh, him about Jesus. Wow. Isn't it amazing when you experience freedom, you start mm-hmm. to experience that healing yourself, yes. that there's this inevitable, like almost involuntary response that yeah. is, I've got to go step in and help other people experience yes. this. Yeah. Like there's something really powerful that happens, a purpose that begins to get yes. birthed out of you mm-hmm. when and you finally apply yourself to to healing. Yes. Yes, wow. and just having the evangelist heart. Like yeah. that's that's totally yeah. what mm-hmm. started to shine in my life and just opening our home up and and walking alongside people and it was just beautiful things. God was just doing a beautiful amazing things and um then my friend, one day my friend, she's like, hey, there's this movie coming out and you should come see it with me. And I was like, sure, mm. I'll, I'll do that. I had no idea what the movie was about. And now, um, what, uh, th- at this point, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but you yeah. still had this puzzle piece that was. Yeah. So, so my, the puzzle piece was the whole, okay. So the unforgiveness part right. that was, and then I still was not talking you about. You still weren't talking about the abortion. I was not this talking. This was completely still. Yep. You were silent. Mom about silent this. Silent about it. So I get it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I get, and I'm doing ministry. I'm doing right. ministry. Right. And, um, but you're still thinking if I, if I talk about this, then mm-hmm. there's going to be judgment. There's going to mm-hmm. be condemnation. Yep. People aren't going to like me. Yeah. There's a lot of shame yep. with this. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So not talking about that. And uh, my friend invites me to this movie. I'm sitting in this movie unplanned. And yep. I was like, this is my life unfolding in front of my eyes. Wow. <laughs> and uh, I was sitting in there and I heard the Holy Spirit say, now's the time to tell the rest of your story. 
Wow. And I did not even know. I was like, well, who do I tell my story to? I have no idea. Yeah. But I, I, what I said to the Lord when he saved me, I said, all right, I will do anything you ask me to do, but don't ask me to speak. <laughs> <laughs> he's so funny you sound like my wife yeah. it's amazing yeah. I tell him, don't tell god that yeah because <laughs> exactly. he's gonna go all right moses <laughs> yep that's right that's right that's right so so i reached out to our local right to life i did not even know what their organization was about but it sounded like a great organization yeah. and so i shared my story and i just asked them the question do you guys ever go out to abortion clinics and try to reach the women? And uh, I found out later that they went to their board meeting and they're like, is this lady for real? <laughs> like, is this, is this for real? <laughs> wow. And uh, so we had an unlicensed abortion clinic that was opening up in South mm. Bend and they said, why don't you come and get trained? And I said, okay, I'll do it. And so I started going out to the the clinic and started praying and uh, I did not realize all the ins and outs of going to an abortion clinic. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Educate us, please. If yes. You can. Yeah. So, um, so there are people that are trained sidewalk counselors that go there to pray. They're a peaceful presence. They're yeah. awesome. There's training. We also have some people that come and they do shame the women and it makes yeah. it very difficult for what we're doing. Right. We also have escorts that shield the women from us mm. speaking to them. So we have all these dynamic dynamics out Those there. Those escorts are from the clinic, or they're from, from the clinic. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, so, really, what we've we've done is um, we pray, and I just really listen to where the Holy Spirit even asked me to stand, mm. and that's been awesome, um, so that I can interact with the women. Yeah. Also, conversations with the escorts. Um, <laughs> I had an wow. escort that uh, he, the first time I ever shared my story, he, he cussed me out. <laughs> and wow. so then the next week he was taking a drink and I said, and he made a face and I said, oh, that bad. And that opened the conversation for like a 30 minute conversation. Really? And he shared his whole life with me. And he got to the point where he would tell me when they were going to be opened and closed and um, wow. just so favor. I, wow. Yes, favor. And so I just friend him and and uh, pray that he leaves that leaves escorting women into the clinic. And mm -hmm. we just pray um, God gives those opportunities to really share who he is to them. And uh, God does it. And we have right. amazing stories right. from there. So, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, I started. Um, going to the abortion clinic and then what happened, um, God, I felt God was asking me to do a, um, post-abortive healing for, um, mothers and fathers, a memorial service it did not make sense to me, but I was like, okay. And, um, funny enough, I started planning it and I kind of had one of these moments of like, maybe I didn't hear God. Right. And I, <laughs> and so like, I, canceled I have this it. all the time. I know. It's okay. <laughs> so I canceled it. I totally canceled it. And you know, the wow. Lord just gave me a piece about this is what I want you to do. And so I had, um, I had spent a week planning this memorial service and, um, the night before the memorial service, I get on Facebook and I see, the the guy that did my abortion, um, yeah. he he passed away, and they found two thousand four hundred and eleven babies in his garage that he was keeping. Jeez, and, yeah, I yeah. remember seeing this news article, and wow, yes, and and uh, that night I just I just crawled into bed and I started to pray, and I was like, God, I'm like, is my baby with, uh, is that one yeah. of my babies, and and um. I just felt like the Lord said, you know what? Your baby and all the babies are with me. Wow. And why do you think that I asked you to do this? I knew this was coming. Wow. Yes. And wow. so, and that, and my story just took off and I began speaking and sharing my story and walking alongside women. And that's how she found his grace came about. Man. Serena, I know you just kind of fast tracked and, but. I just want to zero in on this moment right here. You said it. The Lord told you, this is why I asked you to do this. Mm -hmm. You know, and it didn't make any sense to you mm -mm. to do this thing. You have this <laughs> questioning where you're like, I didn't hear God right. That doesn't make a lot of sense to, you know, because I, and I understand like you're thinking, well, we want to try, we want to try to reach these women before they have an abortion. Yes. But what an incredible 
opportunity to meet somebody in their pain and in mm-hmm. their need. Mm-hmm. And, and you of all people know mm-hmm. what that feels like in the aftermath yes. of, you know, having an abortion and now having all of this trauma and this grief that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And, and yet it's like, but, but this doesn't really, this is how, like, <laughs> this is the ministry that we're going to do right here. And God and his providence mm-hmm. knew that this thing was going to happen this doctor was going to be discovered and all of these families now that we're going to need the exact ministry Yes. that, that this like Noah's Ark, you know what I mean? It's like, it hasn't rained. What are you talking about? And Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. I mean, I just to encourage anybody who's listening to this, like there's a reason God asks you to do things. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense in the moment. And, and for that matter, the story that you're carrying, that the thing that you've, that you've done or that's been done to you, it's not going to make sense in a lot of ways as to why this is a part of your story Mm -hmm. until you see moments like this happen. Yes. And you go, Oh, (laughs) there's that puzzle piece, right? It's like, there it is. That Mm -hmm. last puzzle piece Mm -hmm. that ends up putting, the picture and focus. Yes. And you go, wow. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's remarkable, Serena. <laughs> yeah. It's just been this beautiful journey of, you know, how, how the enemy tried to destroy me yeah. and God's like, no, this is what I'm going to do. And, and, um, through this process too, I didn't mention that I also went through post-abortive healing retreats, mm-hmm. which, um, a lot of churches don't talk about them. They don't right. know about them. And, Um, Bruce and I often talk about how God even orchestrated those Mm. for me before, um, I even, the story broke and we look back and we're like, you know, I, the first retreat I went to, they said, we don't normally get women in this quick. It doesn't normally happen. And just God opened that door for me to go to that retreat. And, um, we had gone to another, um, healing process, um, a next level life in Nashville and unpacked, you know, everything for two days to, um, see why I respond the way I respond. Mm -hmm. And we knew, you know, looking back, we're like, God was preparing, totally preparing me for when this story would break and, and how to respond to women. And, and, uh, you know, we just have seen God's hand through it all and just walking through the obedience of, you know, okay, we're going to be transparent because women need to hear this and they're hurting and families are falling apart and they need this hope. They need to know that God is a restorer and a redeemer. Man, man. So right now with the work that you guys are doing, you know, it's kind of, uh, what, what would you say percentage wise? I don't know, maybe it's an arbitrary number, but between the women, the number of women that you're working with, who have abortion on their mind, you're trying to intercept, mm-hmm. right? And the number of women who are post-abortive and you're ministering to, do you, do you have like a, any kind of breakdown oh, for that? Goodness. How would you say, would you say it's a 50, 50, or would you say it's kind of more on, on one side versus it's, the other? It's so hard to know because every single day I have women reaching out. And so right. I, it's hard. I should keep track of that, but well, yeah, I was just curious. I'd love to talk about both of those aspects yeah, of yeah. your ministry. Um, because I think both are vitally important. And, um, you know, what do you see? Let's talk about the first one. When, when you, when a woman comes to you guys mm-hmm. and they have abortion on their mind, um, what, what is your interaction with them? Like, what's your approach? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you hoping happens in that conversation? So when a woman will come to me and she's thinking about having an abortion, I am going to listen to her and I'm just going to hear what her pain point is, whether it's um, financial, whether it's um, rejection. A lot of times the women feel rejected by the men. And so they can't seem to get past like, I don't know how I'm going to do this alone. Um, Or sometimes they bought the lie that it's my body, my choice. And so... Um, something that I see shifting, um, quite a bit is women will say, well, I get to make the decision and you know what, it doesn't matter what he says and his heart is totally busted. And so we see a reversal of these women trying to take the lead of their homes and trying to get back to, you know what, let him lead, let Mm -hmm. him, let him lead your home. Um, 
So yeah, so I will listen to what the pain point is. And then I want to figure out how I can meet that need. And um, yeah, just talk them through whether it's um, they don't have enough space in their home, how we can um, figure that out. Or um, I just had a mom that I, I was talking to today. She, she, um, she just thought she, she didn't want to be a mom right now just because she was going back to school and her, her kids, she wasn't sure how to financially navigate through that. Well, as I started talking to her, it really had nothing to do with finances. It was just a fear mm. of how, how she was going to do this on yeah. her own. She didn't have family and, um, she, Fridays, her, she was supposed to have an abortion. She canceled her abortion. Wow. So we're going to just love on her and we're going to make sure that she has a, a Amazon baby shower. We do that mm. for her online <laughs> and um, just connect her with people. The church, I so need the church to really help. <laughs> wow. I need those families that yeah. are willing to see single moms and yep. say, hey, I, I'm willing to do life with you. Come, come to our home. Yeah. And, and that is a huge need that I have right now. So, wow. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you, if you're listening to this, you heard that, <laughs> yes. that there's a huge need and I would 100% endorse that. Yes. Um, Christy, my wife, she has a huge heart for single moms mm-hmm. because she spent time as a single mom. Yes. And, um, and so it feels like single moms gravitate to her. It's been so fun to watch this, that like a lot of her friends are single moms. Mm-hmm. And I just love seeing her heart for that. Yes. And you're right. There is just a, there's a lack of support system there mm-hmm. for a lot of single moms. Now, some have great support systems and, yes. and praise the Lord. They have great family. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, um, there's acceptance of the situation right there and they're yes. walking and walking them through that. Some, they don't, they, they have a complete rejection from their family mm-hmm. because of their choices, quote unquote, whatever. Um, and then, and then others, you know, they, they are maybe in a community that doesn't know how to support them, right. you know? So uh, along those lines, what would you say if someone's listening to this and they're like, I have a heart, I want to help support a single mom. What would, what should they do? Mm-hmm. How do they support? So for, for the moms that I talk to, they, they want someone that they can just feel like they're part of their community. They, mm-hmm. if they need a babysitter, they can depend on them for babysitting. Right. Um, they just need that love. They want to feel like they're included in a family. Um, someone that reaches out and says, Hey, happy mother's day. You know, I've had, I've had a couple of women say, no one ever told, you know, I didn't hear those words today. Wow. And, uh, and also with that being said that like, you know, they don't want the role of both mom and dad. And and they said, I wish people would stop saying that because we so want a dad in the, in the household. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Wow. Yes. Well, and you know, to your point, the, the, statistics, you know, statistically speaking, correct me if I'm wrong, but if, if the dad will stay, mm-hmm. then they are, there's, they're far less likely to actually abort the child, yes. far more likely to carry through with the pregnancy. And, you know, and your story is very much a, an example of that for us. Mm-hmm. So on the other side of things, the post-abortive ministry that you're doing, mm-hmm. what's your approach there? What are you trying to, you know, achieve, um, as you're working with these women? Right. So the post-abortive women, um, we really want to get them plugged into, um, a healing ministry, like, um, a retreat to go to retreat, um, and just know that that sometimes we think we're okay and we're really not okay. And in fact, when I was invited, I rolled my eyes because I thought I was in a good spot. And um, I think women out of fear, they don't want to go and revisit. And that's not what these retreats are about. They're not about sitting in it. They're about moving forward. And so when I, I, uh, I'm just very transparent and sharing my story. And then women will just come to me and say, I've been sitting in the church pews and I am hurting and no one ever says anything. And so for them, they feel like it's either a sin that's too much, um, so bad that, that the pastor doesn't even want to talk about it and they can't be forgiven. Mm. Or they think that it must be okay to go have an abortion since the church doesn't talk about it. Wow. Wow. If you were to sit down with a pastor right now, which you are, (laughs) but I mean, if you were to sit down with a, if you're talking to Pat, there's lots of pastors who listen to this podcast and you were to 
kind of a plead to them. Mm-hmm. How would you tell them, you know, obviously I know your messaging would be like, talk about this, but how should they talk about mm-hmm. abortion? You know, the topic of abortion, mm-hmm. I, you know, I can attest to this, that if, if ever I have um, felt like the Lord has told me to mention the topic of abortion from stage, uh, I always hesitate because I feel this is a very divisive topic. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's so many people in this room right now. Um, many of them have experienced it. They have a lot of shame that they're carrying with it. There are some probably represented in this room and they're like, that's an off, you know, uh, off limit limits topic. They're carrying more of the sentiment as you described earlier. This is my, it's my body. It's my choice. Mm-hmm. It's so there's the spectrum of all of these opinions in the room right there. Mm-hmm. But as someone who's lived through your story, mm-hmm. How would you implore a pastor to talk about abortion, you know, from the quote unquote pulpit? What do we call them nowadays? This, the stand, the podium, the, yeah. <laughs> the, stage the iPad stand, yeah. you know? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah. So I think it's so important to have post-abortive women come in and, and speak and mm. share their stories yeah. because people are going to relate to their stories. Um, yeah. you know, a it's pastor good. can share, right. but to hear a personal story and, right. and for women to have that opportunity. I, I led a women's retreat and we could not believe how many women came forward. And it was just that opportunity mm. of being obedient to the Holy spirit. And, you know, these women are like, I, I needed to unpack that. Wow. And so, um, I find that's the hardest part that I face is having pastors actually have, have me come in yeah, and because they're like, we don't know how this this will shake out. But what I can um, tell you guys is that um, beautiful things happen. Beautiful. Mm. You know, God shows up and shows off in yeah. those moments. And, yeah. and because someone's like, hey, I, I relate to her story. Mm. Um, our family is hurting and we needed that. And and so if I could, yeah, if I could encourage yeah. you guys just invite us in, let us speak, let us share so that people can hear our stories and also have a change of heart. Yeah. Um, that's another thing. Yeah. People will have a change, change of heart. Yeah. Isn't that um, what we hope happens in church every yeah. Sunday? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Know? No matter where we are on the spectrum of yes. a hard heart, we all still have a hard heart. Yes, and, we do. Yeah. And, and I find a lot of misplaced compassion. Um, and I face that a lot Mm. and I always hear the story. Well, what about rape? And I'm like, can I please share my story? Mm. Because my healing process looks a lot different than the women who chose to keep their babies. Wow. And so people need to understand the healing process in that. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Man. So Serena, if you were sitting here and you were talking to somebody who was considering abortion, you know, you're out to coffee with a girl that you just, your ministry has just intercepted. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to her? So I would, I would, um, I would want to listen to her heart. I want to hear her out. I want her to be able to share whatever she needs to share. I want to hear her. And then at that time, just share my story with her mm-hmm. so that um, it's like a burning building. You know, I don't yeah. want her to go into a burning building and so we have to have this conversation, but I want it, uh, my conversation to be full of grace yeah, and mercy, good. but also know at the end of the day that she's going to make a choice. And, you know, sometimes they make the choice that hurts my heart a lot, but you know what? I'm still going to love them anyway. Yeah. And, um, but I, I tell them the truth in love and, um, and, you know, I would just, just share that, that, um, I know from my own story that God is a way maker. He has made a way even when we didn't know and we couldn't figure it out. It was okay that we didn't know, um, that we just, we just trusted that it was going to be okay. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. And you know, if you were sitting here across somebody, you know, across table with somebody who had just recently had an abortion or, or has in their past, and they're wrestling with all of that shame and that guilt. What would you, what would you say to them? Obviously, you've shared so much with your story, and that just the mm-hmm. liberating feeling of you know even that moment where you came, you know, you felt the Lord say, "Go home," and just felt Him wrap you up in His lavishing love. But what would you, what would you say to somebody? 
Yeah. So as far as the woman that's just really thinking that she cannot be um, forgiven, I, I know that God is just waiting for her to call out and say, mm. um, ask for ask for that forgiveness and and he wants to give it and he wants to give it freely and he wants to love her. He already loves her, but yeah. he wants to lavish her in yeah. that love. And that lavish love is just that sweet spot and that freedom that we have. And, and, uh, you know, he, he's going to meet her. And, and, um, what I know about my heavenly father is that he already knows that I'm going to fall short. And yet yeah. he's like, I still love you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. right. Even before we existed, mm-hmm. before we ever sinned, before we committed this thing, this sin that's looming over your head right now, mm-hmm. he went to the cross. He did. He did. And the other thing I would say is, you know, put in the work of your healing, mm. put it in. Um, I know that we like to avoid that, but man, does it keep us in a a terrible spot and we never get that freedom if we're not willing to put in the work and it's hard and it hurts, but you know what? God puts that healing bomb on our heart and it's so beautiful. There is something powerful and amazing about that. And Mm -hmm. it's like the, the, the wound keeps festering. The pain keeps perpetuating and you stay in this hurt and it feels somewhat manageable. Mm -hmm at times and then somehow it just oozes out on other people or yeah. you explode and you know there's moments like that but that's not the way God designed us to live no. and no. although it's going to hurt initially mm-hmm. there's going to be this balm that's such mm-hmm. a great mm-hmm. metaphor for it there's going to be this healing balm that he puts over that wound yeah and um and and then you get then you walk in freedom. We walk in freedom, and you become a healer for others. <laughs> That's as well. just it. That's just yeah. it. I, I even at my retreat, yeah. the beautiful part is just you know even God showing me, um, you know both of my I ha- he gave me a, a picture of uh, a girl, a daughter, and a son, mm. and um, even the name um, the name he. I felt like he gave me for my daughter was Eliana Grace. Mm. And I couldn't shake. I I couldn't shake what I just felt like the Holy Spirit was like, um, look up the name, look it up. And it was God met me with grace, favor, and love. Wow. And I'm like, oh, he sure did. <laughs> he sure did. And you can't write it better than that. We can can't. You? And wow. and and then, you know, even Bruce being pulled into my retreat and just saying, hey, you know, like we never really grieved our our miscarriage, you know, because mm. we were in a mess and and God restoring that too. And and um Bruce coming up with the name for for our son that we, you know, mm. miscarried and, and just that healing that we had. Yeah. So, you know, God just did such amazing things, even at that retreat wow. and such beautiful things. It's powerful. Mm-hmm. Wow. Serena, this has been incredible. Um, so appreciative of you sharing Thank and you. opening up and being vulnerable. Where can we follow your ministry? Where can we get in touch with you? I know there's probably so many, I'm praying so many women who um, and families who want to yes. get in touch with you. Yes. Um, so where can they do that? Yes. So um, they can find me. I have a Facebook page. It's um, She Found His Grace Facebook page. I also have serenadykeson.com. We are revamping our website <laughs> as we speak. Everything was so quick, you know. But... <laughs> I feel like that's an always always in process thing, right? It like is. once you get it re- where you like it, then all of a sudden something changes it's and you're something... like, oh man, I got to revamp this again. <laughs> we have to revamp it. So we are re- revamping that. And also in this fall, I have my book coming out. Uh, she found his grace awesome. and um, you can actually get that on Amazon pre-order that right cool. now. So cool. um, read my story and, and uh, come find me. Um, that's how a lot of women and families find me. And I'm just so thankful and honored. Um, we just want to be transparent yeah. and, and share our story. And we just pray that many lives are impacted. Love that. Love mm-hmm. that. Well, thank you so much for spending time yeah, and sharing with our you. community. Thank you. Appreciate that. Wow, what a powerful conversation with Serena. I'm so yeah. grateful for her heart. I'm so grateful for her ministry. And I'm so grateful for her vulnerability. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just sharing what she's been through and what the Lord is really powerfully doing through it. Yeah. I would, Pretty amazing woman. I would strongly recommend that the listener go and pick up her book. She found his grace. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's so much more in that that she doesn't necessarily talk about or disclose in this conversation. So make sure you go pick it up. She found his grace is what it's called. 
Um, while you're uh, maybe going on Amazon, you're looking for the book, if you could go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review this podcast, it helps tremendously to gain more exposure. And um, and so if this is this is ministered to you, if this has helped you, we would love your partnership in getting this out there by rating and reviewing it. It also is so, so helpful to our hearts as we read those reviews. Yes, uh, it is. It just helps us remember that nothing is wasted in all of this process, in your story and our story as well. And so we'd love to hear your story. If you go to nothingiswasted.com slash stories, there's stories there that aren't featured on the podcast. You can read those. Uh, they can be uh, helpful for you and your healing, but we'd also love for you to submit your story. And so make sure you take some time and submit your story right there. We'd love to feature it as well. We also want to say thank you to Sleeping At Last for providing the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. And we'd also love to invite you to follow us on Instagram. You can find us at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, at Davy Blackburn, and at Obsamp. And then next week, we have a really remarkable episode <laughs> yeah, with that's a good word the for brilliant Ooh. Sheridan Voicey. Brilliant. Yes, brilliant. And you're going to immediately fall in love with him because of his accent. Absolutely. And then you're you going to fall more in love with him because of the insight that he brings into the conversation. I was just like spews wisdom nonstop. Yeah, I was astounded. And he's a radio guy. So he's Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh you're gonna you're gonna love this conversation. Here's a little clip from my conversation next week with Sheridan Voicey. It began in the year 2000 in our kitchen in the house that we were staying at at the time. And it was a conversation between Marin and I. And she said, honey, I think it's time. And I said, time for what? And she said, time we started a family. And I said, what? Right now? Fantastic. Let's go. <laughs> 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 and, you, know, you know, we were married by then about five years and it was the right time to yeah. start a family. And like any couple who makes that decision, from that day on, every 28 days, you're looking for signs of success. Mm -hmm. And like many couples, the first month comes and there is expectation and it's followed by disappointment. That's common. Mm -hmm. And then the next month comes and you're all excited again. There's expectation. And then it came with disappointment. Well, that's quite common. And then for many couples, of course, the third month, maybe the fourth, there's expectation and then there's excitement. Yeah. Well, for us, the pattern went expectation, disappointment, expectation, disappointment for nine months. And then we went and got some tests done. Those tests revealed there was a significant problem uh, on my side and that without either a divine miracle or some sort of technological assistance, our dreamt of child was going to be very difficult to have. Mm. 